This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome, everyone. I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, and we're joined here today with Daniel Carmen. He's a VP and a kind of a jack-of-all-trades at Over the Rainbow, uh, I think Jeans is what we call it, uh, Over the Rainbow Jeans, a store at the Manual Life Centre in uh, downtown Toronto. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, retail, COVID-19, things that are happening. We're in the midst of some lockdowns that will eventually end someday. So welcome, uh, Daniel. Thanks for having me, Craig. So, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about retail. We were just chatting for a few minutes here already. Uh, uh, So we're in a situation uh, for those in the rest of Canada that are lucky enough not to be locked down or perhaps even to be here at this point (laughs) with what's happening. But we're we're in a lockdown. Uh, uh, Smaller retailers or those that have been deemed non-essential are not able to be open physically. They can, you know, obviously do curbside pickup and and sell things online, but but not in stores. Um, And uh, so this has obviously impacted... uh, uh, these smaller, you know, retailers are the retailers that have had to stay closed because not all of them are small. The Hudson Bay companies had to, uh, you know, keep their physical stores closed. But uh, yeah, Daniel, we were talking. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, what you're seeing out there with these extended lockdowns and what it's doing to retail right now uh, in southern Ontario and other places where we have lockdowns like in Quebec. Well, I think that obviously uh, retail has been severely affected, especially over the uh, December, Christmas uh, time, which, you know, for I think for most industries and especially for clothing is a really, really important month uh, for retail, for generating revenue, for uh, just anything. Um, And uh, that was a very, very big hit uh, that we had to take because of the lockdown. Obviously, you're right. There has been, you know, uh, uh, online shopping and curbside pickup. Uh, and we did, you know, from our perspective, we did experience some growth uh, on the e-commerce side, but overall it's, it's, you know, without having physical stores open, um, it's been a real, real challenge and it continues to be a challenge as these lockdowns uh, are in effect and extended for who knows how long. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been very, very challenging. We've been doing our best to, you know, pivot, and uh, innovate as much as we possibly can, along with you know lots of other uh, fighting small businesses and non-essential businesses whenever they can. Um, but it's it's had a, a real real big effect. Um, lots of sacrifice has had to be made in these past few months uh, from a revenue standpoint, um, from you know an employee retention standpoint, um, and just you know mentally as well, you know, just dealing with, you know, not having the store open and not being able to help customers in the accustomed traditional way that we're used to, um, helping people. And I think, you know, from the feedback I'm getting from our customers, they really miss it. They really, really miss coming to a store to be able to shop for clothing, uh, where now they're reduced to looking at a picture on their phone or computer, which, we know is possible, but is not the, it's not the preferred or easiest way to shop for clothing. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been, it's been challenging, but we're doing what we can to get through it and survive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you find people are, are very receptive to say buying clothing um, online, you know, not being able to obviously try it on the store? Cause you know, over the rainbow is an incredible denim wall. Well, we can't get to that right now. Right. 
Yeah, obviously, I think they're, I think people in general are becoming more accustomed. Um, I don't know how many people prefer it. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, I think everyone's had to become accustomed to buying a lot of things online, whether it's groceries, whether it's electronics or household appliances, like everything. And clothing is no exception to that. Um, I think the difference with clothing is obviously it's not an exact science and a lot of things need to be tried on and felt. And there's nothing the e-commerce space can offer to really replace that experience. So um, I think that while people have become more accustomed to it, it's not, it's, I don't believe it's a preferred way to shop for clothing and it can be frustrating at times. Um, especially if, um, you know, something doesn't fit you and you have to return it or exchange it or go through the process of doing that. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the most pleasure pleasant experience, but we've really honed in on trying to make it as easy and as comfortable as we possibly can under the circumstances. Um, mm. So, yeah. Now, you know, and I've been thinking about, you know, the retail lockdowns, I mean, sort of c- coming back to that, these retailers that have been deemed non-essential, which kind of is a little bit insulting if you think about it. Both that term, it's like, well, you're not important, but you're important, you know, to, to retailers. It, it seems a bit, well, it's very exclusionary. Um, but at the same time, you know, I can go into a Costco store and, try, well, I won't, but I, I could go into a Costco store and try on a pair of their dad jeans or whatever they sell there, uh, <laughs> which actually might be in fashion at this point. Um, but, you know, again, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, I'm just wondering what's, what's, what's driving this. I mean, I would honestly be more comfortable coming into your store at the manual life center and shopping than I would waiting in a giant lineup to get into a Costco or a Walmart or, you know, a, a giant superstore. Well, I think we can all agree that, um, allowing, I, I think that allowing non-essential aisles in larger places that happen to sell essential items, it doesn't make sense. I don't think anybody believes it makes sense. Um, And I think the reason why I believe the reason why it's happening and I pay very close attention to what the government says directly, whether it's in a a press conference or whether it's in a press release, I'm really trying to, you know, I I really try to hone in not just what the media or what social media is saying, but what the government is telling us. And Mm -hmm. the resounding message I have been getting is everything is based on the health table or, you know, under the advisement of the chief medical officer. That's how all decisions are being made. That's how certain businesses are deemed essential or non-essential. That's the decision-making process, right? Mm -hmm. But what I found interesting, so, so, so if we're, if we're going by that, um, you know, I, I question how a health table is able to, um, make those decisions about, you know, what's essential and what isn't essential. But, you know, Doug Ford, the premier of our, of our, of our province, who I believe, you know, is, is, is trying his best to uh, get rid of, you know, the pandemic and trying to, you know, I, I think, I think he's making all the efforts that he can. Um, but one thing I found really confusing when, when he was asked the question about, um, why and and he was asked that question directly. I can't remember which press conference it was. I think it was on the no, I think it was on the twenty fourth or the twenty fifth. You can go on YouTube and look at it. But he was asked a direct question about why non essential. Why these big operators were allowed to operate non essential 
aisles. Mm. And the response he gave was, and, and he, he cited Walmart as his example. So I'm going to use Walmart as an example. He said that he spoke to the CEO of Walmart in Manitoba, and it was discovered that it would be a logistical nightmare to close non-essential aisles in mm-hmm. big box stores or, or, or in Walmart specifically. And for that reason, um, they can remain open because it's a logistical nightmare. So that's not a health answer. That's not somebody, or, or at least to me, that's not a health table deliberating on those, those decisions. This is the premier of our country, of our, of our province admitting that he spoke to a CEO, listened to that CEO and allowed that specific business to operate, um, in full capacity, maybe not allowing when I say full capacity, I don't mean allowing the same number of physical people inside of the store, but allowing the store completely to operate without any, any, uh, any distinction between essential and non-essential items. So to me, if it's a logistical nightmare, the biggest logistical nightmare is closing businesses down. That's a logistic. That's a logistical nightmare. The yeah. returns and exchanges um, process that I just explained to you about clothing. That's a logistical nightmare. There's so many logistical nightmares that small businesses and non-essential retailers are facing. But yet, when we use those excuses or those reasons, we're not being listened to. That's not mm-hmm. resonating. We have to sacrifice and we have to pivot and innovate and negotiate um, while these bigger box people don't have to because we don't have a voice. So to me, I think the reason is it's not about health. It's about selective listening. Hmm. Obviously, the government is selectively listening to some and not others. It's not about health or the health table. That's the reason why I'm closed, and that's the reason why other non-essential businesses are deemed open. We're supposed to be making sacrifices, but a Walmart can't re-merchandise their store to put essential items in the front and non-essential items in the back, and those non-essential items can't be sectioned off, can't be barricaded, can't be reserved exclusively for curbside pickup. I'm sure that that is a logistical nightmare, but that's not impossible. But you're asking small business and non-essential businesses to do the impossible. So Mm -hmm. to me, you're just, you're not holding everybody by the same standard. So to me, that's why I think it's happening. And it's, it's very evident. It's, it's, it's clear based on, directly what's coming out of the mouths and the words of the government, our premier and the supposed health table that's making all of these decisions. Yeah. And as a result, I mean, these retailers that have been forced to shut and in some cases, you know, in Ontario here, since I think it was November 23rd, they missed the, you know, the Christmas rush in a physical store. Anyways, um, this is going to have a a profound effect on small retailers. You know, we know that, uh, you know, that few weeks up to Christmas is is often a fairly substantial percentage of sales for uh, some retailers. But uh, what do you think as we move into 2021, we're going to see generally with the smaller retailers as we're still locked down even now in January and, and God only knows how long in February. I think it's going to, it's, it's going to whatever challenges we're facing now um, it, it's, it's only going to grow as these, the current strategy of the lockdown continues. Mm. 
Um, I, I think that less people are going to be able to survive. Some will close, some will survive. And I think the big thing that nobody is really talking about, because there's, there, there's obviously the the health of the pandemic, right? Stopping the, the, the physical virus from spreading, infecting us, and in some cases, killing us, right? Mm-hmm. But there's another aspect to health that I think is, is just flying over the heads of everybody, and that's mental health. Mental health of small retailers, of entrepreneurs, of small business owners, of families, of, you know, retired uh, people who have, you know, maybe grandkids or families that they can't see. All of these things are challenges that are continuing to affect us. And I I think only now are people starting to come out with... um, with research or just general content or stories about how the lockdown is affecting us mentally and how it's affecting us mentally and professionally. Um, but I think that, you know, going, going back to your question about smaller retailers, the longer this goes on, the less of them are going to survive. I mean, yeah. you know, um, it's, it's going to take a lot of factors for them to stay open and to survive this, um, especially since they've lost December. I, I keep mm-hmm. going, going, going back to that. But for some businesses, that month of revenue pays for months of slower times, right? In, 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 in clothing, uh, January and February are traditionally quieter months. And they're even quieter now that we don't have a physical store open. But um, that losing that, that December um, time period is a huge, huge sacrifice. And that's a stain that will take a long time to wash off. Yeah, I'm still I'm still surprised. Honestly, we've got you know, not not to bash our, our current government in Ontario, but we've got a premier that said he was pro business. Uh, potentially through these decisions, I, I know that they're meant to help people, uh, but uh, could you know really have a profoundly negative impact on the retail industry? Not to mention restaurants, fitness, and other businesses that you know, require physical patronage, uh, you know, at least retail can kind of do more of it online, but um, we're, we're, we're going to see a chunk of, you know, these industries, I think, obliterated in the next, you know, few months. I think it's, I think it's safe to say that um, the restaurant and hospitality, uh, fitness and, and industries that had to close even prior to us are, are, they're they're the biggest. I, I think that they're 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 facing the biggest challenges because they've been closed even longer than us. Um, and most likely, you know, if 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 there is a reopening strategy uh, somewhere down the pipeline, I think that they're going to be at the end of it. Um, so I, I I'm I, I just think that people. Uh, the challenges are not over. This is a very long marathon um, that's requiring a lot of strength, a lot of patience, and a lot of perseverance. And anybody you know that's able to survive this is is truly, truly strong. And I'm I'm hoping that, and and I'm confident that Over the Rainbow is going to be one of those businesses because we're working really hard to preserve and conserve and innovate. Um, but you know, there, there, there's going to be a lot of drop off, um, and I think that um, you know, I don't want to bash bash the government. I am critical of them, but you know, it's too late to um, to impose a 
full lockdown at this point Mm -hmm. because too many people have been locked down long enough. You know what I mean? That, that, that should have happened at the beginning and we should have all been in the same boat, but we Mm -hmm. weren't. It was again, selective, selective listening. Um, again, so certain people were, were still able to benefit and others weren't. And, you know, when it, when it comes to facing a health pan pan pandemic, you can't, be divisive about that. You can't say, well, certain people can operate and certain people can't. This whole essential versus non-essential thing, it's irrelevant because, you know, non-essential businesses are essential to the people that operate them. So I, I just, I, I don't get that, that term um, when, it, when, it, when it comes to classifying certain industries and certain businesses, because those businesses to people are, that's what they depend on. It's essential to them, the people that work for them, the people that have worked for us that we've had to temporarily furlough or laid off, they're depending on us and we can't rehire them until we're open. And that's a huge burden that we have to face you know, mentally and professionally. Um, so, so yeah, it, this is this 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 marathon is we're still we're still running it, Craig. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like retail wasn't hard enough before COVID, right? Uh, you know, it was it was always you know a challenging business. I mean, there's there's competition, there's expenses like rent. You've got you know staff to deal with. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a stressful business, and you know some retailers have been struggling before COVID nineteen, and and now you know bam, we we've got mass store closures. You've got consumers that are, are changing their spending habits and maybe not buying as much clothing. I mean, for myself, I only wear dressy clothing on camera very briefly if I'm doing something on camera and I'm dressed very casually otherwise, which is not the way it used to be. Um, you know, everything's changed. I mean, the, uh, yeah, it's just incredible. I think that the industry is going to see a lot of challenges even, you know, further into 2021. I think that anybody would welcome the challenges that were, you know, and, and, and you're right. Retail is not easy, but I think anybody would gladly accept those challenges over what we faced over the past year. I mean, that, that's, that's just, this is, this is unlike anything anybody has ever experienced. Um, at over the rainbow, we've, we've endured two, two different recessions because we've been around since 1975. Um, mm-hmm. so we've actually endured two economic recessions and survived them and come out stronger than ever. This is the biggest challenge we've ever faced ever. I don't, and I, I don't think anybody would, would disagree with that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was challenging before, but it's, it's even more challenging now. And it's going to be, I think that there are going to be new challenges to rebuild retail and rebuild industry. Once we see the light at the end of the tunnel, whatever that is. Yeah. Oh, interesting. With Over the Rainbow, um, it was obviously you already had an on uh, an e-commerce site. Uh, I'd certainly been on it, but um, w- was there a bit of a rush to uh, you know expand that, do more curbside delivery, or, or tell me a little bit about that uh, retail journey? As you know, you, you had to change things just to get to the consumer because they can't come to your physical store. Of course. So, I mean, luckily, uh, when we opened the new store 
in the Manulife Center in 2019, one of the things we also did is we updated a lot of other things uh, in relation to our business. So, um, you know, we gave us the opportunity to do a rebranding exercise. We changed all of our packaging. We built an e-commerce fulfillment center in the back of our store. So no one's really seen that. But um, aside from the, you know, the beautiful retail store that we built in the Manulife Center, we also prepared ourselves for elevating our e-commerce business. So, um, and, and this, and this happened in, you know, uh, late 2018 to early 2019. So we saw the importance of e-commerce even before it became a necessity during this pandemic. So by the time we were reduced to an online, just an online business, we had already updated our packaging. We had already updated a lot of our systems. We had revamped our website. And all we really had to do was, you know, um, just kind of add on things like curbside pickup and, you know, adjust our, adjust our phone support and, you know, look into little innovative ways we could communicate with, with people. So we were already kind of ready for the next level of 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 e-commerce and obviously now we're striving to be even better than that but you know we we it's not like when we when our our retail store was shut down we had to start looking into e-commerce we were already you know a good two and a half to three years in we had learned a lot about the space and all we really had to do was you know have the capacity to be able to fulfill orders and just communicate with people and let them know, yeah, we might not be open. Our, our physical store might not be open, but we are here to service you online. All of our products are there and we're here to answer all the questions that you would have coming into our store um, remotely and virtually. So, um, you know, uh, our, our online presentation, luckily we, we were, we were fortunate enough to revamp all of that. Uh, well, even, even actually before our, our, our store opened. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's excellent. And thank goodness. Right. <laughs> thank, thank goodness. I, thank goodness. Yeah. Holy cow. And how are you? So I got to tour the new store because it opened, was it about October, November of 2019? I think it actually opened in May. So we opened in, we opened in May of, of, of 2019. So, um, actually we hadn't even been open a full year, um, until, I mean, and then we closed on, I think March, the middle of March of 2020. So it hadn't even been a full year that the store had been open. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got the tour. A lot of people have been able to come in and see the store front. Um, you know, it's been an amazing prior to the pandemic. It's been an amazing, amazing experience. Um, it's really taken over the rainbow to the next level as far as what we could do from, a. um, you know, a, a shopping experience, um, elevated, clean, modern, but still, you know, maintains our identity as a friendly family business. Um, so, I mean, it was, it's been great. And even when we reopened, um, back in July, um, you know, it was, it was, it was starting to come back around again and, and people, you know, the people that were coming in granted, you know, we had to restrict numbers and we had to, um, you know, traffic was not quite as much as it was before, but we were managing it and people were, you know, uh, welcoming that experience again until we were again forced to close, uh, unfortunately at the end of November. But overall, uh, the move to the Manulife Center and everything that we've put into it has really been great. 
Um, I, I can't say, I, I don't think it really mimics. It's, it's truly a unique shopping experience and anyone that hasn't, you know, anybody who's listening to this podcast or anyone that has not had the opportunity to come into the store when we reopen, I highly advise you to do so because number one, safety, your health and safety is the most important thing to us. And we've, we've done so much to make sure that you are safe and that, you know, there is no transmission of any virus or bacteria anywhere in our store. Um, but we really accomplished what we wanted to accomplish with this new storefront. Um, and I, I really, really welcome the day when we can reopen again and get back to servicing people again in the actual store. Oh, absolutely. And how, how are you liking being, um, I guess we call it an enclosed shopping center. I mean, it's a unique center, but uh, how do you like that versus um, being on, on a uh, street front with, you know, a door onto Yorkville Avenue? You know what, obviously, uh, there, there is, uh, there are things that you miss about just being able to walk right outside. And, you know, there's, there's obviously pros and cons to, um, a shopping center versus, a a retail storefront. Um, you know, one, one thing obviously that was unique to our, uh, storefront on Yorkville that we had been at for 38 years is that it was kind of a walk up. Like if you remember, there were those stairs that you had to walk up and it was kind of like a, a high, it wasn't directly off of the street. So, you know, you, you could see it from the outside. Um, but it wasn't like directly accessible from, from the street. Um, with that being said, um, you know, we, we knew what the differences would be when we moved inside into a shopping center. But one of the benefits I think that really, um, that the manual life center offers, first of all, um, you know, the, the, the redevelopment is almost complete. So it, it's completely different than it, than it was before they have, you know, the manual life centers, spend millions and millions of dollars uh, renovating everything about the center. There's, there's new tenants, there's Italy, there's, you know, lots of new things happening. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a shopping center that isn't overwhelming. Um, you know, it's a three floor, it's a, you know, it's a two and a half floor shopping center. Um, and you know, the, 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 the retailers that we thought, um, were in this center really spoke to who our customer was. And, you know, there was, you know, to be honest with you, prior to the pandemic, there was a lot more traffic in that center than there was on the street. I mean, the street is, is, is affected. If there's a rainy day on Yorkville Avenue, no one's walking on the street. If it's a frigidly cold day, no one's walking on the street, but those, those weather elements don't apply in a, in a, in a, in a shopping center, right? You can, you can park underground. There's, there's also way more parking in the center than there was where, where we were parking was always an issue on Yorkville Avenue because there was very limited spaces on the street and in, you know, and in the parking lots there. So there's a lot more uh, parking capacity here, but you know, uh, we're not affected by, by seasons, by weather, uh, by parking restraints. Um, and, Obviously, the physical space itself, what we were looking for in a new space, honestly, was not, we looked everywhere on Cumberland Street, on Yorkville. I mean, you know, we, we, we really wanted to stay in the Bloor Yorkville area. That, that was our goal, even though for, you know, uh, for things like commercial rent, you know, there's a lot less 
businesses like us in Yorkville anymore. It's a lot of international houses of luxury, but we were fortunate that we were able to find a great space, the physical space itself inside of Manulife Center. It was everything that we could ask for. It was high ceilings. It was, it was rectangular. You could see everything. And all of those benefits just outweighed everything that any street front including the one that we were in, could possibly offer. Um, if we were going to move, it had to be a significant upgrade to what we had before, and this this truly is. And you know what? Uh, um, I don't think it matters whether you're in a shopping center or whether you're on a storefront. If people like you, they're going to find you. And they're going to go shop with you. And where you are physically, as long as you're not in a different area of the city, I, I, don't, I don't think it's made a huge impact on us in the long run. I think it's only, it's only, been, a, it's only been a benefit to us. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and I, I like the store. It's what it was 6,500 square feet, I think. It's, uh, it's pretty big. It's one level. There, yeah, one one level, and it's uh, that's that's the retail space. We have we have more space, as I mentioned. We have a warehouse, an e-commerce fulfillment center, an office, a photo studio, a whole bunch of stuff in in the back. But yeah, so it's it's a it's actually a much bigger space than that. But the the space that our customers and you get to see that's the sixty five hundred is, and and that's twice the size of our of our old space. And it actually mm. because of the high ceilings, it looks a lot bigger. A lot of people say, hey, that's it, it looks huge, and, and I mean. It is, but we have filled that space very well with amazing products and, and uh, you know, things that you can really shop for. Yeah, no, I really like the store and also the masks that uh, you were starting to demonstrate. Was that in the summer? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah, 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 you're, you're, you're talking about the masks that are on, uh, that are on IGTV that I posted. Yeah. So, um, I did that because obviously during our first retail closure, um, the subject of face masks came out and this was before people were like really wearing them, but you know, uh, this was coming down the pipeline that anybody, we all saw that once we were able to reopen in, in the summertime, um, we were going to have to wear masks. So a lot of people were coming up to me that had purchased masks. And this was even before we looked into it, asking me questions about how to wear masks. And the reason for that is because a lot of clothing brands had pivoted from making clothing to making masks. And me, I didn't know anything about it. And obviously, whenever I, it's very similar to clothing and how I, you know, source clothing and, and you know, uh, test clothing out is I just said to anybody that um, was making masks, send me one. Send me one, I'll either buy it or just, you know, send me a sample or send me something. And let me, let me educate myself and what, what does it take to wear a mask? And, you know, I, I had gone, gone through everything from trying them on and washing them, wearing them for long periods of time. Because the other thing for us, Craig, is that, you know, uh, me and my staff, when we're on the retail floor, we have to wear them for like a long period of time for like four to six hour spans, right? Most people, when they're wearing them, uh, the, the, the everyday person, you wear them outside, you wear them in a shopping center, but then you could take them off, right? So the masks had to be breathable. They had to fit our faces. They had to fit all of our different faces. And obviously the biggest thing that I learned about masks 
that's no different from clothing or jeans is that there's no such thing as one size fits all. Everyone's mm-hmm. face is different, their nose, their, their bone structure, all that stuff, right? So um, the masks that I kind of landed on were all masks that were somewhat adjustable, somewhat breathable, comfortable around the face and ears because, um, you know, a lot of those like, you know, elastic ear pieces, you know, when you're wearing them for 46 hours and they're rubbing on your ears, they actually irritate your skin. So, you know, um, and, and obviously, uh, if a mask shrinks, it's not covering your face properly. And if it's not covering it properly, then why are you wearing it? So the brands and masks that we landed on, uh, the, the ones that you saw, the ones that you've been wearing and that you've been purchasing and that, I, that I've been wearing, those are all very breathable, very sustainable uh, masks that are not medical but will prevent you from um, inhaling, uh, you know, aerosols in the air and will prevent you from touching your face, which is yeah. really the most that a non-medical mask can do. Um, so, you know, very foreign to me in April and May, but once we reopened in, in July, we were very prepared for, you know, not only, and, 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 and selling masks was like, that, that was kind of the only reason why we did that wasn't because we were trying to profiteer. It was because we knew people would be looking at our masks and saying, Hey, where'd you get those from? And look yep. how well they're covering your face. So it only made sense for us to be able to offer that same protection to our, to our customers that we were for our staff. So, you know, the videos are still up and, and obviously I'm always happy to answer questions about masks. I'm not the expert, but you know, I've done a, obviously a lot of homework on it and I have had to wear one for a very long time. So, and we, and, and we all have, so, um, <laughs> And I don't think mask wearing is going to go away overnight. I think that us wearing masks is going to be around for quite some time. Um, yeah. So if you're going to wear one, the only thing that I stress is don't wear a disposable one because it's not good for the environment. You know, uh, invest the money in buying something that's sustainable, that will s- still protect you, but that you can wash and rewash and, and, and will be able to fit your face very comfortably. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and I brought it up because I saw the videos, you know, I went on Instagram probably more than I should be. And, <laughs> and then you were doing video demonstrations. I remember and it, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, from an analytical standpoint, you know, I, I saw that you had been testing masks and that, you know, you were saying these were our favorites because of X, Y, Z. And of course, for me, I was sort of in the dark because I wasn't out testing masks. And I was thinking, you know, oh my God, I, I bought some and they were not that great uh, from places like, you know, just showcase, you know, they were two bucks each or something for these you know, and they were non-disposables they were not the best quality so yeah, I, I got excited and you know came by and, and, and bought stuff a few a few times because these were masks that i saw demonstrated you know they, they came with a bit of a seal of approval in terms of you saying uh you know these are great because of these reasons and i, I can confirm they're great i mean i'm not getting paid to say this obviously um but i've got them I, i've still got them and when your store opens i'll buy more i probably should be buying them online but you know i, I live i live right by the manual life center and i, I come in there and shop uh uh, in stores and right now there's like two or three stores open in there and it's a grocery store and, and a uh, liquor store <laughs> oh and, and shoppers drug mart i guess that's three stores yeah so, and i mean the reason why like i i've i've never filmed videos like that before like i'm not i'm not all over videos or all over social media and i i'm not even all over podcasts but um everybody that 
asked me about math, I was literally giving them the same explanation over and over again. I was just repeating myself. It was like a script. So I just said to myself, like, what about all the people that are asking those questions, but not asking them directly to me. So this was a way for me to answer those questions for people that were just, that were just wondering. Right. So it was just, it was, I only did that just out of, you know, um, I just felt like it was, it was important for people that had struggled with, you know, this, as you mentioned, buying masks that just didn't work or whatever it is. And, 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 and listen, this, this is a, this is a protective, you know, some people have tried to spin it into some sort of fashion play, but really this is, this is a protective, uh, garment. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, like all the products that we sell in the store, whether it's jeans, outerwear, um, you know, tops or whatever, it's got to last a long time. And, and, and what's so different about a mask? Okay. So you might have to invest a little bit more, but you're getting something that gives you what you're looking for. And that's always been the ethos and, 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 or the mantra of, of over the rainbow when it comes to clothing, you know, anything that you buy, it's supposed to last. It's supposed to be comfortable. It's supposed to be worn. So why not that same thing with something that's covering our face? I mean, that's, that's the thing that's got to be comfortable the most because it's a breathing mechanism, right? I don't know Mm -hmm. how many people have complained about being able to breathe in their, in their masks or, or the ability not to be able to, I can, I can tell you, you know, if, if people continue, like people have continued to sell, to send me samples, I I can tell just based on the fabric, you know, uh, on the inside, whether it's going to be breathable or not, because I've just, Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've gone through so many of them, but anyway, um, yeah, that's my that's my mask uh, that's my mask thing. <laughs> oh no, I, I love it, and I, I think that it, it's almost like the the future of social shopping, where people are or streaming shopping, is it where you know, where people are you know selling real time, saying this is great, this is great. But you, you kind of did that. It wasn't a real time in terms of uh, you know it wasn't live, but it was still a demonstration. It was from a human being that was explaining something. I, I think we're going to see more of that in the future in retail. So uh, stay stay tuned, North America, because it's already being done a lot in Asia, and we're just starting to see it here. <laughs> and I mean, it's already happening too. Like, like we're constantly, you know, uh, conversational commerce We're, you know, I, I spend most of my days now on the phone with customers, helping them with their shopping needs online, setting up shopping carts, carts for them, making suggestions, creating collections, uh, within our, our, you know, personalized collections on our website with their name on it. Like we're already doing that. That's already happening. Um, it's just about letting people know that they're able to do that, that, you know, so the online shopping experience is not just you in front of a computer by yourself shopping. You know, we're, we're here to help you do that. And I think that that's something that regardless of, you know, when we're able to reopen our physical doors, I, I think that that's going to, that's going to stick people that are still going to want to shop online. They're still going to want to get that advice. It's just about knowing that it's out there. And it is out mm. there. So, um, and I mean, at least it's out there for us at Over the Rainbow. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I just want to say that I think that, um, you know, I, I, I want to just say thank you. You know, I don't know if um, my customers listen to your podcast. Hopefully they do. But I just want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart and my family's heart and, you know, the, the whole team over here. Um, we wouldn't be able to survive at all without the support of the community of 
customers and shoppers and friends that have shopped online with us, that have supported us during the time that we're closed. Um, you know, obviously I talked about huge sacrifice. I talked about loss of revenue, but you know, it's, it's really those people that have kept us, that have allowed us to survive and pivot and innovate, um, where, you know, if, if, if they wouldn't have, we wouldn't, be in the position that we're in and I wouldn't be here to, you know, deliver this conversation or not deliver, but even have this conversation to you. So for all those out there, for all those that want to support us, we really appreciate it. And the other thing that I, that I, that I want to say is aside from financial support online that you can give to us, um, the biggest, um, the, the, the most supportive thing that anybody can do right now is to stay safe mm-hmm. and keep healthy, to stay positive and to really, you know, like, I, and I, I don't want to be an advocate for the government, but obviously I just want people to stay safe because the government is using infection numbers right now to determine whether we reopen or not. That's their, that's their gauge. They're not listening to our logistics. Obviously, they're not listening to our logistical concerns. They're not listening to our lobby groups. They're not listening. I can't have a conversation as a business owner with Doug Ford. But the one thing that this government listens to is infection results. And the only way that we, the people, can, can get them down is if we continue to be safe, mindful, and not put ourselves at risk. And I know that that seems like a huge cry, um, but that's aside from shopping online with us, getting the numbers down, that's the only way that we're going to be able to reopen at this point. Unless, of course, the government has an epiphany and decides to try a different strategy, we have to start to take things into our own hands and start to be safe. Not to say that not everybody has, but when people ask me, what can I do to help? You know, I say that there's two things. If you need something from me, you can shop online, but the most that you can do is just to protect yourself. Be safe. And I, and I, and I mean that not only from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint as well. Um, yeah. And I just, I just hope that we can get through all of this. Um, and I really, I really sympathize with all the other industries out there that are suffering, not just the clothing industry, but, you know, the recreational sports industry, the hospitality industry, the restaurant industry, the fitness industry, um, all other non-essential industries that are being affected by, by this, or sorry, dubbed non-essential industries. Uh, we can, we could do a whole other podcast about, you know, this whole non-essential classification, but, you know, I really feel for you guys. And if there's anything that I can do to help you in the other industries, um, my line is always open for those other industries to collaborate, to work on things, to boost each other's, um, online presence. Um, I'm always open to, um, you know, doing partnerships, doing cross promotional because we as a we as a small business community, I don't care what industry you're in, we need to work together and we need to help each other as much as we can. Um, and I mean, you know, it's it's hard for me to help another clothing retailer because of the competitive nature. Although, you know, obviously, I it's not about our competition is not with each other right now. It's with a health pandemic. 
We're not really mm-hmm. looking at each other. And, you know, the, you, you talked about the competitive retail space. We're not even competing with each other anymore. Like, we don't really care about, I mean, I don't care about that. I'm just trying to get open and, and trying to, you know, uh, get towards, you know, getting our store operational to where it was before. Um, so let's try to help each other. Let's try to help each other however we can. And like I said, to all those other businesses out there, um, you know, we over the rainbow is here to help you um, as, as much as we possibly can. And we'll do what we can to get to get through this together. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, everyone shop local when you can. That's, I think, really important, especially at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and thank you, Craig, for, you know, writing articles and, and really spotlighting small, small business as well. And, and, you know, having the, having the platform to be able to, for us to be able to talk about the challenges that we're facing, because, um, I was, I was listening to another podcast from, um, another, uh, small business owner on Ossington street. He owns a clothing store and he's been an advocate for using your voice, use your voice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's really important now that we, as a small business community, we, we have to speak up now. We, we can't be silent anymore. Silence is not doing us any, any, any good. Um, we need to be constructive and we need to be, you know, um, you know, not, we don't need to sound like we're complaining. We need to do it from, you know, a, a certain standpoint, but we need to speak up. And that's, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I wanted to come on your podcast and talk to you because I, I, I want to practice that. I want to use my voice as well. And I want to encourage other small business owners who don't believe they have a voice um, to speak up in any way that they possibly can with whoever they, they have, uh, you know, whatever relationships that they have. Luckily, you know, Retail Insider and, and Over the Rainbow, we've, you know, you guys have talked a lot about us in the past and, and, and we appreciate that. And let's just keep, let's keep the conversation going and let's keep using our voice. Oh, sounds great. Well, thank you so much. This has been Daniel Carmen from Over the Rainbow uh, Jeans, retailer at the Manual Life Center in downtown Toronto. And we've been talking a bit about uh, retail in the COVID uh, timeline and uh, the lockdowns, which are unfortunately with us uh, for a while still, I, I think. So thank you so much, Daniel. No, no problem, Craig. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thank you. And thank you to our listeners for being with us today. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and we'd appreciate it if you left a review with your podcast provider to help others find us too. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning and it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning thank you everyone for listening and until next time